0: Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us, as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. Designer Jamie Collins is an old soul through and through. Co-founder of Analog Design and co-founder and chief marketing officer of Self-Care Brand before, he's been creating beautiful visual languages for more than two decades and looks at the world with a reflectiveness that's rare these days. Jamie grew up in the tiny town of Labrador City in Newfoundland, spending his childhood contemplating nature when he wasn't skating, snowboarding, or drawing cartoons. His chapter on the West Coast started with landing his dream job, designing for option snowboards, and continued to unfold from there, from joining creative agencies to eventually starting his own. In this conversation, we explore diversity in design and the creatives inspiring him lately, what he's reflected upon about himself this last year, his take on what spirituality looks like for him, the creative process his agency team goes through, what it means to live a good life, and much more. Please enjoy this expansive conversation with the calm, collected, and thoughtful Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins, welcome to The Craft.
1: Hi, May. How are you?
0: I'm pretty good. Yeah, today was good.
1: Yeah? How are you? It's a gorgeous day out there.
0: Oh, yeah. It's so nice.
1: I'm so pumped to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to have you on.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I've been such a huge follower since you started it, since I saw you first post the initial... Um, episode on on Instagram, and mm-hmm. I love what you're doing for the community and and how everyone can kind of find commonality in all of the stories it's It's fantastic,
0: yeah, thank you. Thank you for being like you know, a regular listener. It means a lot
1: word <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so I was trying to pinpoint when we met. I know it was a a number of years ago. um what we were saying earlier, we couldn't really remember the exact moment, but I think it was events slash mutual friends and also your business partner and yourself used to come into Rennie, or you probably still do it's where I used to work and that's right we would cross paths there yeah yes and then I do remember the the day I was like I ran into you in the stair in the stairwell Uh and I was like Jamie Uh you need to be on my podcast one day
1: yeah absolutely I think
0: that was like a year and a half or two years ago
1: at least Mm -hmm. definitely the time I mean Marcus and I started Analog in 2015, and mm. I think we started coming for regular visits at Rennie shortly after that, so I can't even really pinpoint when that was, but I remember yeah. that exact moment. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. And, and I, rem- I remember you having us in as well just to briefly talk about the brand and sort of, right. you know, um, where Chris was heading with things and it all just sounded so exciting. Yeah, really. yeah. it
0: was an exciting time. Yeah. Um, So let's take it back. Sure. So you're from, you grew up in Labrador City in Newfoundland. That's right. Okay. So that must have been really idyllic and and quiet. What was was that like and what's your family like?
1: I wouldn't change a thing about my past and I guess I'm very fortunate that way. Um, I was a really uh, creative kid um, and... uh, I guess even from kindergarten was sort of creatively inclined um, there was a running joke with my mom and dad that the the my kindergarten teacher had told them that he was the only kid that had ever colored inside the line so well <laughs> so i think like that's kind of kind of where it all started but um growing up in in labrador city was fantastic it's a small mining town of about maybe at that time about ten thousand people i think that's whittled down a little bit but um it was fantastic. The um, it was an iron ore mine, and um, my dad um, and my mom, both growing up in Newfoundland, migrated to Labrador, much like a lot of Newfoundlanders at that time. Great work. Um, very isolated, so they were you know paid quite well for for you know picking up and 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 starting a new chapter in their life and um, and working in the mine. But um, and that sort of happened in the late '60s, and um, and then. I was born in 1978, and um, it was just such a, it was a well-supported community. Um, the mine itself uh, really um, contributed to the community. They built the ski hills. They built the cross-country ski trails, mm. which were world-class. We hosted multiple events, national and, um, and international, for, for downhill and cross-country. Um, they invested into a phenomenal 18-hole golf course. Um, we had phenomenal arena. We had phenomenal curling. We, we held curling um, um, championships. So it was a very recreational town, and growing up that way was just amazing. It's in the middle of nowhere, um, very close to the Quebec border, actually. So mm. we would always go buy our alcohol in Quebec <laughs> <laughs> when you know when the age permitted, maybe a few years earlier. Um, but I was always out in the forest, always inclined to be outside, and you know just searching in nature I know almost every corner of I would say the 30 kilometers that surround my small town just Mm. because we explored so much right and uh, I was a a very avid mountain biker I I had bikes ever since I was a kid that was sort of everyone's means to freedom you know when you when you're growing up in a small town and explored 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 Um, I think it I think spending so much of my time outside really lended to my vibration now and just sort of My demeanor as I am as a human, I think fairly calm and um, collected and and really tend to ponder and think about things before reacting too quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think spending most of my childhood in nature really benefited me in the long run. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Did you spend time in nature on your own, too, or was it always with your friends?
1: Very much both. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, I was it was always so funny because, you know, we would be hiking the backcountry snowboarding, um, at, you know, maybe young teenagers, and I would always be the dork, you know, poking um, all of my friends and sort of reminding them like, guys, check out the clouds or, you know, check out that sunset <laughs> or just check out the way those trees look. And I was always very aware of the aesthetic of things and the emotional connection to things and um, particularly in nature. But, you know, they would always kind of just laugh, oh, Jamie. But <laughs> um, I was always that guy who was just so appreciative of, like, moments and things and mm. what's around you and and how to appreciate that. But um, um, so I spent a lot of time biking on my own as well and just hiking on my own, fishing on my own. Um,
0: it was actually a really nice time to grow up in, in that yeah, that era, you yeah. know, where you're what do they call him? You're a latchkey kid? Yeah, where you yeah. can just, you do, you take your bike, you go off, you oh, have yeah. an adventure, you know, Bridge to Terabithia style, Absolutely. if anyone remembers that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you know, we're, you know, at that age where when technology came around, we were still able to become digitally literate, but we still remember the analog world.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, there would be days where we woke up, you know, me and my good friend Lee at the time, we would wake up at 7am, pack our backpacks with sugar-filled snacks <laughs> and hop on the bikes. And we would pick out a different lake to go to. It may be three hours away, but we would get there. We would fish for the afternoon, maybe come up empty-handed, maybe not. And then show up, you know, dusty and dirty before sunset. And mom and dad always just kind of trusted that we would be okay (laughs) we we would make it home alive and (laughs) the bears wouldn't get to us but um I mean honestly that was probably the only danger back then was mm. running into a bear and thank God knock on wood it never really happened to a to a horrible degree.
0: Yeah, well he probably <laughs> well the bear probably just wanted your sugar snacks. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. My uh my sweet tarts and my gobstoppers. <laughs> Big league chew. <laughs> exactly. Fun dip. Yeah.
0: Fun dip. Oh my gosh. I think that's still around actually. It is yeah. around. Not that I bought it recently. <laughs> <Yeah. but laughs> Uh, you once mentioned in an interview that you were um, an introverted child. So do you think yeah. that kind of went to the whole, look at the trees, look at the clouds?
1: I think so. Yeah, certainly. Um, and, and I've really learned to celebrate my extroverted side um, in, in my professional part of life and in my relationships, but uh, but certainly started as an introvert. Um, and I still really celebrate that. I think part of that is what got me through COVID as well. But, um Um, absolutely. I think, um, I was always happy and content, um, just with art supplies on my desk in my bedroom Mm. and I would make, you know, a good day out of it every day. And you drew cartoons, no? Cartoons, comics. I would study, you know, Spider-Man and all of his homies and, and just redraw and redraw and redraw and kind of hone that in. I was never a good real... Like, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and draw myself. I couldn't, you know, look at my mom or dad or my sister and attempt to draw them. I was never a realist creator. Um, but I, I was, I could hold myself together drawing comics for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. What about mom and dad? What are they like?
1: They were unbelievable. And they still are just such the greatest parents. Again, I'm just, you know, I, I, I never take advantage of that. Um, and I'm always so blessed and happy that, um, that they've always been there for me. My dad, again, was a welder for 35 years and he's such a well-mannered, steady man. You know, he was always the guy walking in. It was, it was great because as a teenager, after my first year of college, I actually got to spend a summer in the mine working as a, as a laborer and just sort of tooling around doing different things wherever we had to work that day. And every now and then I would cross paths with my dad and kind of just see him in his element. And he was just such a, well-respected person in his, um, in his community and, and as an employee. Um, and I think people really looked at him as just a very level-headed person, a very calm person, um, put together and, and just such a hard worker, you know, and he just had such a great demeanor to him and a good vibration to him. Mm. And I think that obviously rubbed off on me as well, but, um, and he always just really, um, thought about things before reacting. And and I like that a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. um, He's just, yeah, he's, he, he's always been such a role model for me and, you know, quite understated, quite soft-spoken, but, um, but extremely smart. You hand him a book of New York Times, uh, crosswords and he will whoop anyone's ass. Like it's, it's unbelievable. All of his information is there. Um, sometimes you just have to pull it out of him, but, um, those aren't easy. Yeah. (laughs) Super brilliant person and really good with his hands. You know, he, he built, you know, both of our homes that we, you know, that I grew up in and then, then, um. The, the the home that my mother and my dad retired in, um, he helped build that with my mother's father or my mother's brother, so he's always been so hands on and um, and my mom is was just like the classic um, rock star stay at home mom. She went through little spouts of um, uh, teaching aerobics, which like was amazing because no she would be downstairs that night and we would have this huge Fisher stereo downstairs, and I think t- to this day it's still. Um, works perfectly, you know, they don't make things like they used to, but um, these huge speakers and this Fisher stereo, and and my mom would be downstairs making mixtapes for her (laughs) classes, and I would be sitting right next to her just so enthralled with what she was doing and the music she was choosing Mm -hmm. and, like, the peaks and valleys of why she would choose certain songs, and music is such a big part of my life because my mom and dad were just so into music I mean Mm. they built a rec room to have parties and listen to music and play darts like it was just classics were always on so that's a lot of fun yeah Mm -hmm. so she was a uh she was an amazing aerobics instructor um she also um was amazing at retail she she did little windows of retail as well and she was always such a well put together individual um always aesthetically so uh just so keen and so put together like um she always dressed so well our home was always so put together you know um the living room always looked you know spot on and
0: so she rubbed off on you too <laughs> so i think
1: i got 50 50 yeah yes, like, yeah you know You're I got, even split yeah which i'm so thankful for you know i've got phenomenal qualities from my dad and i've got um, I think my taste level and my aesthetics from my mother, 100%, like mm. I, I've loved clothing ever since I was three or four years old, and I remember, <laughs> I still laugh at it, and I can still remember this sweater as plain as day, but there was one sweater that I just completely hated as like a four-year-old, and I remember my mom putting that on me one day, and just the feeling that I had when she put it on me, I can still remember, but I've always reacted, I guess, um, to, to things like that and to to sort of clothing and like what what makes you feel good and what doesn't make you feel good and um and she she was always just a really big leader in that part and again so well spoken um when she would hop on the telephone to order you know um everything from Sears because that's how people did it back in the right, day the you catalog. Know, you would call in from the catalog <laughs> and she would be so polite and so well-mannered on the uh on the phone. And then when she would hang up the phone, the, the new accent would kick back in. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. But, um, she was, uh, yeah, she's fantastic. And they're still both in Newfoundland. I still talk with them every Sunday, um, mm-hmm. religiously. And it's, uh, they're really close to me and I'm really close to them. And it's, you know, obviously through COVID, we haven't been able to see each other. But maybe this Christmas, hopefully, if things yeah, wind down crossed. a little bit. Yeah,
0: I hope so, too. My family's in California, and so it's, yeah. been, it's been a bit for me as well. 100%. So. Fingers crossed. Definitely. Everyone
1: yeah. needs a big, long hug, a family dinner. Yes. And just some downtime.
0: Some family laughs, yeah, too. Yeah. Inside jokes. 100%.
1: Yeah. And just, and just after that, sit on the sofa, watch a movie, and have a beer. And like yes. simple things with good people. Um, looking forward to a lot more of that in the mm. future.
0: Isn't that what life's about?
1: 100%. Mm. Yeah.
0: So you grew up skateboarding and snowboarding. And you were inspired by Burton and Zero and DC Shoes. Do you think it was the culture of these brands that really kind of interested you? Like the way that these brands built culture around them?
1: yeah absolutely i think um growing up i I tried lots of different things you know played basketball i golfed a little bit my dad was a really good golfer still is and um you know obviously did a lot of mountain biking and that's still pretty close to me but in grade uh, probably in like mid grade eight i started to skateboard i got my first skateboard and um, everything just changed right there like i practiced every day in front of my house how to ollie up this tiny little sidewalk and once you nail that you're like okay what's next and then slowly honing in my skills and then meeting new friends doing it and um, and a lot of those friends that I made in grade 8 and 9 I'm still um, very good friends with to this day you know some of them are back in Newfoundland some of them are across Canada and Toronto and Calgary but still really close with them and you know um, we drop everything if, if someone needs somebody and you know we're there for everyone and mm-hmm. That so I feel like that as soon as I discovered snow skateboarding that led to snowboarding, which again became such a deep passion for me. And those two um, activities, I wouldn't really call them sports. Um, they're just such models of expression and, um, and really, um, platforms for people to be able to find themselves and express themselves mm-hmm. in creative ways. Um, because are such, again, they're such aesthetically driven sports. I mean, you look at the best skateboarders and snowboarders in the world and, um, It's not just because they can kickflip a 30-stair. It's because they make it look so damn good, you know? Right. Um, And there's such a style element to both of those sports. Um, And when I discovered those, I just completely fell in love. And it it sort of set the rails for my path forward to this day because um, I made a lot of my decisions as a teenager and going to college um, based on where I could snowboard, where I could skateboard, where I could do that the most and still you know, still facilitate studying and, and going to college and and, mm. um, and going through that chapter of life as well. Right. Um, and then after finishing design in, um, in Kingston, Ontario, I um, did a brief visit in Halifax, and I literally made that decision just so I could go skateboard with my friends.
0: Wow. <laughs> well, you followed your passion. Yeah,
1: it was hilarious because mom was like, you need to go to where the jobs are. And I'm like,
0: no, I think I'll go to Halifax and go skateboarding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, and... So that was fun for a year or two, but then uh, I always knew I wanted to be out west and uh, moved out moved out to Vancouver to work with Option Snowboards, mm-hmm. and that was a dream. That come was a true. dream job, right? Total yeah. dream job, and it was really funny because again, one of those pivotal moments in life where things just come together. Um, I had saw the job posting, and I said to myself, "There's no way I'm going to stop until I get this job." And I snail mailed my resume, I emailed it. Um, I faxed it, I did everything I could to try and get this in front of someone, and I didn't hear back for a few weeks, so I said, screw it, okay, I'm going to pick up the phone and call somebody. I got through to reception, she was delightful, um, Stacy, a good friend of mine to this day, and she was kind enough to put me through to the art director, who was John Colvin at the time, mm. and uh, I chatted with John, and I asked him, hey, like, have you seen my resume, um, have you seen my portfolio? Uh, and he was quite frank of you know like no no I don't I don't think your name rings a bell and um, and so I said okay well I had spent the last month or two working on a personal portfolio website most of it just fictional work just stuff I had made up a lot of it inspired from skateboarding snowboarding and, and different cultures like that and he went to the website and he was like okay perfect um, let me take a look at this and um, Kevin Sansalone is is standing right next to me and Kevin was one of their most notable pros at the time um, fantastic guy and um, and they both looked at the website and John called me back 10 minutes later and offered me the job on the phone wow. and, uh, and I to this day uh, I'm still so grateful of that um, of that handout and that that opportunity that he gave me on a whim. And just trusting his gut, you know, mm. and I often do that on my own, too, is really trust your gut with big decisions. But that changed my life because it got me to B.C. and ultimately led me um, to a really, really enjoyable life here.
0: Right. Yeah. So mm, tell me um, about starting your own agency. You had you had two, right?
1: Yeah. Prior? So I worked with Option um, and that was a phenomenal job for uh, about three years. And a dream job for any young designer because you're working in print, you're working in digital, you're working with snowboards, you're working with bindings. And they also had a sister company called NFA, which was the clothing side of things. So we worked with clothing, hang tags, uh, presentation centers, uh, trade show booths, you name it, we worked on it. Did that for a few years and then um, got um, an opportunity to go on my own. Um, and started a small company called uh, Manicomio, and that was with a friend at the time. We did that for a few years, and then we we separated ways, and um, I went to work with uh, Braun Allison in 2006, I believe, and that's actually where I met my business partner today. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus actually hired me and um, uh, I believe it was 2006, and I worked with them for a few years until the crash, and then um, did a really good stint with Toolbox until about 2014, and then finally went on my own again and had a great opportunity to work with uh, some new clients. And Marcus and I had always kept in touch after I left in 2008. Um, you know, we always had a lot of commonality and, um, and, and he's a fantastic person and we've always had a really good rapport together and, and a really good respect for each other. So we kept in touch. He had left Braun Allison and, um, and we thought, you know, maybe in the future if there's an opportunity to work on a project together, let's, let's try it out. Um, because we both knew each other so well and knew our skill sets so well. And um, Station Square, the last phase of Station Square was happening with Anthem and Beattie. And uh, and they brought Marcus in to, to work on that project. And, um, you know, that was a And these are real estate projects. Absolutely, to, yeah. yes. Uh, exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. And that was um, the last two towers that were being built in Metrotown. And one of them was going to be built by KPF, which is a, a globally renowned architect in, in New York. And uh, they do phenomenal work. And so Marcus and I um, partnered up to work on that because it was quite a substantial project and needed um, quite a few hands. And um, it was a wonderful experience and we nailed it. Um, We had a great time working together and we decided to start an agency and we we threw around some ideas and originally we were going to call it um, Untitled because Mm -hmm. I loved the idea of artwork hanging on a wall in galleries that are untitled because it's so open to interpretation and, and purposely so. Um, but we couldn't get the name registered in Canada and NBC. So our, our, our default was analog and mm-hmm. love that as well, because it, it essentially um, it all comes down to working with your hands and, and really just slowing down and thinking about details mm. and, and, um, and being able to uh, deliver on details and create details and really live by details. So we started that in, I guess, mid 2015. It's so hard to believe it's been almost six years because Um, he's been through partnerships. I've been through partnerships and we've really made this one work well. We have such a great respect for each other, um, and really understand, um, um, each other's skill sets, like I said, and, and just um, how we can make this work efficiently. It's yeah, It's yeah. been fantastic. And like you said, we, we we're we predominantly based in real estate. I would say 80% of our portfolio is in real estate. We do dabble in some packaging as well um, and some corporate work. Um, we're actually rebranding quite a few um, developers right now, and uh, we've worked with several interior design companies and rebranding them. So um, whatever comes across the table, if we think it's a great opportunity where we can, um, you know, um, build a beautiful relationship with a new client. Um, most of those clients have actually been repeat work, so mm. we're, we're quite proud of that.
0: Yeah, that was actually my question. How do you discern the projects that are aligned with your agency? And I imagine they're they're based on your core values.
1: 100. And and it's it's always gut instinct. Marcus and I will always have a call, um, and and we'll discuss. You know, is this right for us, or is it not right for us? How does your gut feel? And mm. um, and it's it's worked so far. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So tell me about your creative process.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we go pretty deep. Um, whenever we work on a new project, we um, we purposely do a lot of front-loaded thinking. And um, let's say you came to us and you're putting up a tower downtown. Um, and let's say you're working for a developer. and um, Whether it's whether it's well, let me back up, whether it's whether it's a development project or um, a project for milk or a project for a new website, um, we always start with a brand DNA and that brand DNA process is very front loaded, very heavy lifting. And we've had a 99 percent success rate with that first presentation because we go so deep and so thorough with the exploration of that brand and the possibilities of that brand. And um, and we go into strategic thinking. We don't um, we don't over overwhelm the presentation with um, a ton of strategic thinking. That's not the agency that we are. Um, we specialize in execution um, with a really good foothold and a good backbone in strategy. Um, and and that front-loaded brand DNA um, has, like I said, has had a lot of success. And um, it involves a lot of drawing. It involves a lot of collaboration with our team. Um, and we go through everything in painstaking detail so that, um, when we get to the end of that presentation, like I said, 99% of the time, the client is so excited to keep moving forward. And that's ultimately what we want. We want the client to walk away from that first meeting going, they get it and they actually, um, see even more opportunity than I did maybe. And Mm -hmm. if we can, if we can have that added value based on, the value add that we that we put into that document and that that presentation, then usually everything else um, runs quite smoothly and efficiently. Yeah. And I think that's been a bit of a secret sauce for us because um, we walk away from that first meeting really solidifying the trust from the client, and that's right. that's a big part of it. The clients that have trusted us the most have allowed us to create the best work absolutely mm-hmm. 100%. Definitely. Yeah, th-
0: yeah. that trust for sure. Cuz yep. then they're like, "Hey, we we trust you to run with us."
1: Yeah. Yeah, mm. definitely.
0: That kind of um actually takes me back to to what you're saying, what w- what we were talking about in terms of discernment of projects and mm-hmm. and your gut feeling, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a gut feeling about a project is cuz you're passionate about it. You feel some kind of fire about it. And then I I suppose that shows in that first presentation cuz
1: Yeah, because I think we see an opportunity to really disrupt. Mm. Um, And that's our challenge every day um, when we work. When I open my computer every morning, that is the challenge. How can we do something different? Um, Because we know how much real estate is happening in Vancouver and beyond. We know how uh, much of a mainstay it is for Canada's economy and and how much it contributes to um, the economy, particularly in Vancouver. And there's a lot of projects happening and there's a ton of great work out there. And it's always a challenge for us to um, really talk with our team and throw ideas around and ensure that the final outcome is something that stops people, something Mm -hmm. that touches people, something that people appreciate and something that sparks that next level of interaction from a potential customer mm. um, super important yeah, yeah and and something
0: that your team can be proud of too right
1: yeah and, and you have to come to work excited about that opportunity every day you're not gonna you're not gonna hit home runs every day that's a mm. part of life um, but you also just have to find um find ways to get excited about it and and instill that into your team as well because mm. um, we, we we really try and uh, mentor our team to think big without too many walls up, um, without too many barriers. Because if we see a great idea, we're really going to try and make that happen and then inevitably try and sell that to the client as well because we see the opportunity. It's not just for us to be creative. It's because at the end of the day, we know that that is going to facilitate the, the, the goals of the client and the needs of the client, mm. um, whether that's selling um, nut milk or whether that's selling condos.
0: Mm. Why do you think design is so essential and how has your approach um, evolved over the years?
1: I'm fascinated with the law of attraction and that is so I think pivotal in design. Um, a lot of people don't go beyond the surface, I mean, and that's, that's generally speaking, most of us don't really go beyond the surface level of why something looks cool or reacts or why you react in a, in a positive way to something or why you walk by a window and you're looking at um, a beautiful display in that window and it's just so creative and so cool and it just inspires you. It just makes you feel great, it makes you want to do something or just feel something and it pulls on an emotion inside of you in some way that you didn't really expect. Um, I love that part of design and as far as an evolution of that, I just, I really want to ensure that all of our work is at a high quality where it does emotionally connect with people. I think that's one of my main goals with anything that we work on is that it emotionally connects with someone, Mm -hmm. but it also has to do it in a very aesthetic way based on that, you know, based on that buyer profile or that, that customer of what they're looking for.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So designing makes you come alive
1: hundred percent. Mm. Yeah. I, it's funny. Like um, I actually almost. So my design course is um, is three years. And in the first year, I almost dropped out like I, I finished the first year and I thought, I don't know if this is for me. And I actually applied for an animation course in Ottawa. And I'm really happy I didn't get into that animation course because I came back and finished design and fell in love with it after the second year. And and I don't know what I would have done if I didn't finish design because I just feel like it's such a part of me. It's a part of who I am. And it's a, it's a huge part of how we all get to express ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and um, yeah, I, I just can't imagine doing anything else. I really can't. <laughs> I yeah. love brands. I've always been um, enamored with brands. And like you said, from the skateboard days, even from you know the the early days of Nintendo, and and thinking about how those things affected me, and and just always. Being aware of what a brand does and, um, and how, how it talks to people, mm-hmm. how it inspires people. Those yeah. things are big questions that are always fun to try and answer.
0: I'm curious about what you said. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> I've been waiting to do that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting there. Apologies. Uh, oh, the editing process we <laughs> really find fun around that one. <laughs> um, something you said about you fell in love with design in the second year. What do you think it was about the second year?
1: It's a really good question. Um, I think I made the connection that the things that I love to do, um, snowboarding, skateboarding, um, sports, um, fashion, clothing, streetwear, I started to make the connection that I can maybe bridge those two worlds or, or apply design to my loves for those worlds and that completely turned on a dime. Mm-hmm. Um, we got through all the technical training and all the, um, the, the, the foundational training which was super important of teaching um, um, students how to think with their brain and how to really execute ideas before you have tools in front of you and the computer's just another tool. And really think, and then after that, um, and after we started to play with a few projects and play with color and play with typography and really get into, I guess, a deeper exploration of what we can do with all of those tools, then it sort of clicked. And um, funny enough, I was just on a call yesterday with my college Um and it was a call with the um, the curriculum organizers on how they can sort of um, stay up to date and modernize the curriculum for the college. And that was a really great Zoom call and was very honored to be a part of that. And it's great how that all comes full circle because I may not have even finished the course. So right. it's life is so funny that way. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's, life comes full circle like yeah. that, doesn't it? It really yeah.
1: does, yeah. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. Um, I really wanted to ask this question because I'm very curious about this. Do you believe the industry is inclusive enough, or do you think there's more space for diversity of perspective and how that's communicated aesthetically?
1: Oh, 100%, especially now. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, diversity is so key in how we think and how we embrace community, how we embrace cultures, and I want to see more of that. Um, I want to see more flavor in things. I want to see more attitude in things. I think we've become somewhat politically correct in North America, Mm -hmm. and I was having a good chat with another gentleman the other night about this, but um, I feel like the walls of expression are somewhat um, coming in on us a little bit, and I think um, there has to be more voice. There has to be more um, freedom with voice and more creative with that, and I think you know, whether it's in politics or whether it's in culture or whether it's in current events or whether it's for human rights or animal rights or anything, I think um, there is certainly room for more diversity, to answer your question, a hundred percent. And and I would like to see more of that. And uh, I'm not quite sure how that happens, but um, um, yeah, I think diversity makes everything better. It makes food better. It makes art better. It makes music better it makes pop culture better. It makes politics better. It absolutely makes creative teams better because you're bringing a multicultural view of life experiences and of the world together around one table. And I think creative is much stronger when you have a team that um, can weigh in with different life experiences and weigh in with, um, with different views and different music and different beliefs and um, different experiences that um, are close to them from childhood. I think um, diverse teams bring, um, I think, uh, more powerful solutions to the table. It also aids in um, creating a more inclusive world with creative. And um, and and pushing for that, and I think um, that's a powerful thing that um, I think creative, ag- creative agencies and creative teams um, really need to pay attention to, and 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 and, and bolster that, and and um, and help nurture that.
0: Mm-hmm. What have you been seeing out there?
1: Mm. I was thinking about this a while ago, and um, I guess it was just before Christmas when um, Virgil Abloh, who um, is a huge inspiration for me. Um, when he uh, first started at Louis Vuitton, um, I guess it's been a few years now, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was such a, a brilliant move and such a, um, like, I think the whole world could tell that some really creative things were, were to come because he's such a creative indi- individual.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: grew up in similar, um, sort of like similar interests with skateboarding and music and things like that. but. I guess it was before Christmas and I was sitting down on watching YouTube and just, you know, as we do, kind of... Rabbit-holing. Um, Rabbit-holing. And I came across his new... Um, I believe it was the menswear show for 2021. And it's not often that I watch something and then literally replay that thing a half a dozen times right there that night. And, and it was probably a 10-minute video and I watched it over and over and over again. I just thought it was an exceptional execution of creativity from audio from visual uh from cultural from art from everything and you could tell like all of his strengths and facets were coming together um and as it does with everything he does but you could i, I could i really got a sense that that was happening there and it um, it completely blew me away just from the colors of um, the clothing, um, mm-hmm. greens, and all the greens. green marble. I have this really weird brain tweak around marble green. When I was in Florence, um, there was a bathroom that um, was in the hotel room, and it was all marble green, and it kind of just tweaked my brain. And I don't know if it's from a past life or something, but mm. it's a really interesting kind of like uh, like it's always been very um, like it always it always has a little tweak in my brain, and I don't know why, but um, but I just thought it was so captivating and such a great um expression of creativity something totally new that i hadn't seen before and then obviously when most deaf kicks in you know halfway Mm -hmm. through you're like wow and it starts to really move you from an audio standpoint and um I just thought that was one of the coolest things.
0: Mm-hmm. I also
1: love everything that um, Jerry Lorenzo is doing from Fear of God. I think he's brilliant. There's a reason that he's basically shaping the entire um, Adidas basketball line now because he's so talented. I love all of his silhouettes and what he does. Mm-hmm. Super creative, right down to the art direction of his photography and how how emotive it is and how it takes you away to a different world. And ultimately, you know, that um, that escapism and that inspiration is, I think, what we all look for to mm-hmm. some degree, you know. and. Um, yeah uh, two very um, talented gentlemen that I look up to for sure yeah yeah,
0: yeah. yeah no no I agree I, I know we were, you know we were chatting about. It. I know which video you're talking about mm. for Louis and um, yeah I agree I was just really really captivated from even just the opening scene mm-hmm. just seeing you know an African American person in snow it's not i don't i don't know why for me i was just like it was such a ju- juxtaposition from yeah. what we the environment that we may expect that culture to consistently be in totally and um yeah, and then the spoken word that kicks in and the dance—it was everything.
1: It was so well—it's—it's—it's <laughs> it's, it's interesting because it's obviously—it's obviously so well choreographed and so well directed, but it still felt free and natural. Mm. The way he was moving in the beginning through mm-hmm. the snow and dancing very organically felt. Like, that's what he wanted to do right there. Mm. And, and although that was very planned and very beautiful, it felt very organic, too, mm-hmm. which I, I loved. And, and like you said, like, the backdrop of the winter and and, and, like, and then how that transitioned into the inside. And I uh, just thought it was so captivating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. glad you like that. No, it was, <laughs> it was
0: awesome. When you sent it, I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I remember this. Yeah. yeah. And, like,
1: those are big positions to be in. Like, those brands and those, um, like, those facets of fashion influence the entire world, mm-hmm. and those are big shoes to be in. And I think he's doing such an exceptional job. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really cool. Yeah, and yeah. I think
0: that it's a bold move for LVMH to to recognize that and have the foresight. Yeah, and, and be uh, brave and to
1: and, understand mm-hmm. that like his streetwear sensibilities are what LV needed. You mm-hmm. know, and and his um, his sheer talent in general. Um, yeah. And, and like you said, for a luxury brand to recognize that um, was really cool. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. And we were also chatting, too, about Solange Knowles' creative studio mm-hmm. and the work that she's been doing yeah. um, with her team, St. Heron. I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> but, yeah, if, if any of you listeners, um, please please have a look at her site and have a look at just the lens and the perspective and the typography, yeah. the way that the prose is written on the page, yeah. it's uh, it's very forward-thinking. I, it's it's kind of unlike anything I've really seen. So absolutely, it's yeah. um,
1: it's not your typical web experience. You know, mm-hmm. we are so uh, you know, gone. Well, I, I shouldn't say gone. I guess the the evolution of the web has been very interesting because. In the Flash days, you know, I'm talking 10 to 15 years ago, things got super creative because Flash allowed you to do almost any type of animation possible from a storytelling perspective and a visual and musical perspective. That was amazing. Flash slowly phased itself out. And I think um, everything got a bit more clinical on the web and a bit more um, sterile in a sense because um, templates were coming in WordPress was getting super hot and everything was becoming quite templated and, uh, albeit for, for use of responsive designs, well, for mobile and tablet, everything sort of had to start, um, collapsing in very, um, aesthetically pleasing ways and, and they still do today. But I feel like now there's almost a renaissance of web design happening, um, with regards to artistic impression again. And I thought that was a great example because it's very, uh, Uh, untraditional and Mm -hmm. kind of more more poetry than anything and more visual poetry and and there's no real start or finish it's kind of just dig in and and start to explore
0: yes yes you're you're almost confused Mm -hmm. at first when you get Mm -hmm. on the site i wasn't really sure what to do (laughs) where i would click and because it wasn't obvious but it also made it you know you've used this word in previous conversations discovery yeah Mm -hmm.
1: yeah no i love that and i feel like um you know maybe that's what they need to teach more in school or sort of um um, i guess nurture more is that real Mm self-expression um expression of your soul expression of your feelings within design not just in the art world but I'm i'm a big believer in that some of the best graphic designers in the world do make a lot of their decisions through their heart and through their, their, um, sort of sensitivities to aesthetics. Um, it's not just problem solving. It's how you, it's how you make that solution mm-hmm. look and feel like it touches someone as well. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's where the real success is. I mm-hmm. think.
0: Yeah. Any other brands that you watch these days?
1: Oh, it's a good question. Um, what do I really dig into these days? It's so funny. I don't know. I just like, for me being so busy with work, I find it, um, rewarding if I can just pick up a monocle magazine and dig in for a little bit or, or, you know, I still hoard selective magazines, not as bad as I used to, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, it's funny. I, uh, my brand, like my, my, my focus on fashion has, um, depleted quickly <laughs> <laughs> i just go for basics now real simplicity something that lasts um but from a branding perspective um that's a good question there's uh, so
0: much to be inspired by honestly like it's, you, you it's, get on the web and uh, it's everywhere. With so many so many places yeah it is everywhere yeah. yeah
1: it's yeah and i guess that um it's almost like uh i can't find my words right now but uh it's almost like um just being overwhelmed with design and overwhelmed with information and overwhelmed with um, just the digital age, I think. Um, mm. And maybe I've pulled back a bit for that reason, just to sort of really enjoy the roses again and enjoy fresh air again. But um, right. certainly, you know, we all certainly have our dwell time on Instagram, but uh, yeah. but I think a large part of my free time now is spent, you know, taking Zoe up into the forest or, um, you know, going to sit on the beach for an hour mm-hmm. and, and and I guess those those things shift as you get older. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you said the word, I think you said the word flavor. Yeah. And uh, I remember a number of years ago, Um. I don't know if you follow Jessica Walsh, but she was with yes. Stagmeister and Walsh. Yes. And, um, you know, she started her own agency. Yes. And she had, you know, posted some work that she did with a client in India. Okay. And I just remember thinking like, wow, it was just so bright and yeah. full of life. It it reminded me of watching a Bollywood movie. Yeah. But it was a drink.
1: That's cool. Yeah. yeah, and I thought,
0: wow, that is such a different kind of design. I, I don't even imagine that I would have seen that here in North America.
1: Yeah, she's very talented. I followed along the whole love story of of her and uh, this other. Yes, this Timothy other, Goodman. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Follow, followed along that whole campaign and that mm-hmm. whole really, um, that was such a great exploration of, of human connection and, and doing it through design and both of them being creatively inclined people was so cool. And uh, she's ultra talented. and um,
0: 40 Days of Dating, wasn't it called? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. I yeah. followed that as well. Uh, yeah. yeah. That was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, it was very cool. I like his work as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love that. You know, I love to travel and I love to be inspired by my travels. Um, you know, uh, after being in Positano, I just wanted to apply bright colors to everything that I do. <laughs> and those are the beautiful things about travel, you know, and, and meeting new people, meeting new cultures. You know, when I went to Barcelona years ago, you know, It was a shock to me that at 12 o'clock at night families are outside having dinner it's their first meal and it's midnight and there Mm -hmm. are kids running around laughing and playing and parents are having the greatest time talking to everyone around the city block and it's so full of culture and life it's life and and Mm. that really made an impression on me and it still does and i think that's you know I, i love to travel for those reasons um because it really lights a fire under you and you bring those you bring those um, experiences home with you and hopefully in my world hopefully I can inject them more into what I do mm-hmm. and and um, and open people up to that variety and, and right. maybe something different and mm-hmm. yeah travel is so key to it's so essential everything in life yeah, yeah, it, yeah.
0: It, it really is so essential it I remember going to Bali in, in 2015 and you know I I made the intentional choice that wherever ta- whatever I was staying, that I would stay in sort of more of a local area. Yeah, you know, my Airbnb is yeah. always like near a village or, or right. whatever that is. And that showed me so much life. I met so <laughs> many locals. I got to see how yes. Bali really is. Yeah. And then I remember the last two nights I stayed at in hotels, right. um, the W and uh, I think the the Fairmont out right. there. And I remember being at the W, and it was a beautiful hotel. And I just thought, I was looking at people and thinking, man, these people have been, probably have been here a week. But they have not experienced Bali.
1: No, exactly. Because
0: they've stayed in this hotel, and they haven't seen the life.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, two very Two very different methods of traveling. Yes. Absolutely. There's room for both. I agree. Yep. And, uh, like, immersion into culture and, Mm. and being brave enough to do that is you will have the greatest human connections that way. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's a great word, actually, immersion. I like to use that one more (laughs) often. (laughs) So we were catching up a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. uh, about the last 14 months of our lives, Mm -hmm. and you had a year of major self-reflection.
1: Yeah, um, obviously.
0: What are the most surprising things that came up for you, for yourself? Yeah, it's a about great, yourself?
1: It's a great question. Um, I've certainly, um, coped through, um, COVID with a lot of Wim Hof and tattoos, um, <laughs> 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 um in all seriousness, I guess. Um, I, I've uh, gone through some personal things, um, and, uh, and, you know, there's certainly been a lot of challenges coming out of that, but, um, adversity as well. Um, I've really, um, that was, you know, certainly one of the hardest years of my life. Um, and anyone that's close to me will, will tell you that. But I think I've also grown the most that I ever have in my life and, and really, uh, consciously wanted to do that. You know, um, I read a lot of books. I listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, I really built a lot of structure in my day. Um, and my dog obviously bless her heart. She's honestly the cutest thing on the planet, but, um, She really helps with that structure. You know, I I wake up in the morning and take her for a long walk and I throw on the monocle, you know, daily edition and Mm. and really catch up on current events and then come back home, make breakfast, feed her and then dig right into work. And then at five o'clock, I drop everything. Um, You know, I work out five days a week just to, you know, um, maintain a sanity level there and, and use your body. Um, I've tried to eat a lot better and really focus on that part of my life, um, and, um, and really just build structure to the day because I think that's I think what really got a lot of us through the last 12 months of such uncertainty and and monotony in a lot of ways as well. I mean, it felt like Groundhog Day for the past year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and I feel like I have become such a stronger person because I took on that challenge to really, um, really grow myself and really um, look at every day as um, an opportunity and, um, and find the silver lining in everything um, Mm. and really um, um, pick yourself up from certain things and, and really, um, you know, um, recognize that there's an opportunity to um, to grow and it's really all about growth. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And you know that, that structure and, and you know, again always being so blessed that Analog has been very busy during the COVID months. Um, not everyone can say that and we're very lucky to be able to say that our um, staff has been employed and healthy and happy. Um, and that has created a lot of, I think, structure and, um, has been a rock in my life for the past 12 months for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. I I know when we were catching, we were talking about rituals and daily rituals and how important that is to to your sanity. Yeah. I can
1: hold my breath for four minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's impressive.
1: Yeah. Thanks to Mr. Wim, um, but it's, and it's a total trip, um, some places you go in your mind for that period of time, it's a really interesting sensation. And I almost find the Mm -hmm. first exhale after that, holding it for four minutes to be where it literally feels like you're floating over the earth Yes, because all of the pins and needles come back and you get this sense of weightlessness and it's Mm -hmm. such a trip. Mm. It's really interesting. Like I've gone to some really cool corners of the world in that four minutes. I've, I, sometimes I pretend that I'm a drone and I'm floating over my old town, my, my hometown, and I'm kind of just like scoping out all of these memories that I had as a child. Mm. Of like, I remember that corner of the forest where we used to build a jump, and you know, when I wiped out on bike. Oh, I remember where we caught a really nice trout over there, and kind of just floating through really interesting experiences. you were astral projecting. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you know, like it or not, um, I, I I really believe in that stuff, and mm. um, and you know, um, I think that style of oxygen exertion and um, and overloading your body with oxygen um, can have really interesting effects. And, and again, that's been a big part of my routine. Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: I, so a, a few years ago, uh, I was in UQ Lit with mm-hmm. um, a few friends and uh, my friend Roy was really into Wim Hof. Okay. So one day we woke up in the morning, we rented this beautiful place that had a huge patio nice. and he was like, Okay, ladies, because it was just him and the ladies, (laughs) his wife, and then uh, two other, me and and another woman. And uh, he's like, get some blankets. We're putting the blankets (laughs) down on the patio. And he he taught us how to do Wim Hof. And I remember thinking after the first, we did it twice. The first time, I couldn't believe how long I could hold my breath for.
1: It's surprising, huh? It is so surprising.
0: I think it was, I mean, it was between two or three minutes, which, you know, I never thought I could. Could do that, yeah. but I think the more surprising thing to to talk about the ox- the oxygen yeah. in your in your body yeah. was I felt for that entire day my vision was like superhero vision, like yeah. everything was clear and crisp and bright.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so cool. That's awesome. Do do you still practice it or
0: no? I mean, I've done I've done breath work yeah. since then, yeah. um, but not that particular kind. Right. But I'd love to to do it again. Yeah. The one thing kind of wimmy hoffy that I do <laughs> <laughs> is the last uh, like. 10 to 15 seconds of a shower, I'll turn it super cold.
1: 100%. And
0: now I can't imagine not doing that. I know. So
1: isn't it cool how you can train your mind not to be afraid of that and actually embrace it after, after you, after you hit that tipping point.
0: Yeah. You're just like, actually, I need to do this. And, you know, sometimes I I have to tell myself over and over, like, (laughs) you're not going to die. You're not going to die. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But it's that whole fight or flight thing. Mm -hmm. And you train your body to almost acclimatize to that and i feel like that has beneficial effects for a lot of other things in your body and your immune system mm-hmm. and the way your body reacts to things.
0: Yeah, you know? absolutely. You know, so many of us don't don't take full breaths, right? So i think there's something about that method cuz when you're you're tense, you're just you're shallow breathing, you're not
1: you're mm-hmm. not belly
0: breathing, yeah. which is really what you're supposed to be doing to, you know, just even from a biological perspective, be feeding your body with what it needs, the oxygen.
1: And we do it all day. We sit there sedentary. And we take tiny little breaths. Yeah. And it's kind of scary when you think about it. I know. Slowly killing ourselves. (laughs) Time is fleeting. Oh, it's so fleeting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: There's a a question that I wanted to ask. Um, You had uh, mentioned uh, spirituality. Mm. And I wanted to know, are you spiritual? And how does that manifest for you?
1: Mm, It's a great question. Um, For me... I think, um, the world in general and, um, and mother nature in general and nature in general is, I think, um, where I find my balance. Um, and it's directly from how I grew up and, um, and I guess just, um, what, what I've enjoyed in my life and where I kind of recalibrate and recalculate and really, you know, it's, There's a reason every study coming out now will tell you, you know, with regards to self-care and and mindfulness and mindful living is spend time in nature. It's one of the easiest, simplest things you can do. Um, It doesn't mean that you have to um, have this massive regimen of routines. It means just go walk in the forest for a half hour. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes those subliminal um, pleasantries will come through in in huge effects, you know, Um, so... I guess I find a lot of my spirituality just under the stars mm. and in the forest. Mm. And um and um I guess sort of away from the uh franticness of day to day life. Yeah. You know, you
0: Nature know. is your church.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it play it actually plays a lot into our work as well, you know. Um and maybe that's why I was always driven to the West Coast, because of, you know, the Pacific Northwest is just stunning. It it plays into a lot of the work we do, whether it's real estate driven or uh, product or packaging or corporate. It's funny how um, our environment here always plays a massive role in telling that story, mm-hmm. um, albeit in new ways. And, and that's up to us to be able to discover those ways. But yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah nature is pretty incredible. You you just said the word pleasantries. And uh, yesterday, after finishing up work, I took one of my favorite drives. It's just <laughs> so nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like taking Marine Drive into to Whitecliff Park. Mm-hmm. That whole drive mm-hmm. there, and I love driving. I love my music. So it's stunning.
1: It's mm-hmm. and, and talk about church. Like drive. I mean, I grew up with like. You know, my mom and dad taking my sister and I for ice cream, you know, three mm-hmm. or four times a week and, in, in, you know, in the new car. Yeah. <laughs> and that would be like what we do. It sounds so suburban and like cliche, but it, like those things were, I mean, it's just, a, it's just, it's the same as having dinner around the table and why that's such a coveted special time for families and for couples and for anyone mm-hmm. to continue those traditions because that's where you truly bond and and maintain relationships there's a reason why I like the Mediterranean diet and a lot of uh, European um, cultures live longer because they um, really put an importance on the simplicities of eating together, dining together, drinking together, um, mm-hmm. being at the cafe together. You know? yeah. I've been looking a lot into those small communities off of Greece and off of Italy that are posting the highest uh, Centurion rates. Around the world of people living past a hundred, and it's mm. and scientists were somewhat baffled, but can also equate it to um, great food, being social, and um, and and just um, great weather perhaps as well. Yeah, but I think great awful. great food and being social, I think, are two of yeah. the key pillars to just maintaining that 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 I guess that um, that happiness in life.
0: Yeah, I mean we're tribal people, so yeah. community is ultimately yeah very, very important inherently in all yeah. of us.
1: But that's a, that's a good drive. I just, yeah. um, I've done it many times as well. And you have to do it early in the summer. Otherwise, uh, it You'll becomes, get the bikes. A, becomes a bit of a bike <laughs> yeah. path. Yeah.
0: Which I kind of like that Frogger, too, because I love a good driving path. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, do I go narrow around this corner? Yeah. Is there another oh, car yeah. coming? It's like Frogger. <laughs> it is like Frogger. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. But actually, there's, um. so I did, I did the drive and then I drove back and there's a secret beach that I will not mention here. So it stays a bit of a secret. Um, But anyways, yeah, I took a book and I just posted up there just before sunset and got probably like a good half hour, 40, 40 minutes. And um, there was a bird on the beach and it just started singing like just before the sun went down. Really? And I'd never heard this type of bird before. And, you know, pleasantries. I was like, this is so lovely. And then, you know, the sun went down. Birds stopped singing. I was like, I think I'm good. I think.
1: That's an interesting yeah. time to start singing, too, for a bird. That's yeah. really cool.
0: It was really cool. Yeah. I think there was... Maybe there was two of them. So maybe they were, like, yeah. chit-chatting. Yeah. Sing, singing yeah. to each other. Whispering
1: sweet nothings. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just before sunset. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Before they watched uh, Netflix. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So anyways, it's... Uh, so if anyone wants to, you know, take a stress relieving, well, depending if the bikes are mm-hmm, out, mm-hmm. that's a that's a lovely one.
1: Yeah. But to your point, I think it's important to identify those simple things that allow you to kind of just turn the brain off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you and just enjoy it
1: and make time mm-hmm. for them, because I think the busier we are, those those times are the first things that we kind of just push away and you're like, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Mm. But I think it's so important to actually prioritize and keep those on top of the list, you know, yeah. because otherwise you know, it just gets Work harder gets and harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah.
0: Um, you have a new self-care brand that you're launching with Steve Thorpe, who is also a guest. Mm-hmm. How excited are you?
1: Uh, beyond excited. Um, and I believe as of today, we are essentially oversubscribed on the first round, which is a huge... Um, Congrats. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we've got a great team facilitating this, and, uh, and we purposely wanted that first round of pre- pre-seed investment to, um, to be individuals um, who are super excited about the idea, can add value to the idea, um, and so far so good. Uh, we've, we've really honed in the product. It's something that um, is even better than we thought it could be. You know, mm. We obviously had goals and intentions, but we got to a place with the product um, that we are just overwhelmed with and we can't wait to get it to market that's obviously going to take some time um, mm-hmm. with FDA approvals and and, and other things but um, we're super excited yes. yeah and I, I feel like I get to really um, manage their creation and voice and um, and culture and lifestyle of a brand. Um, that I think can really hopefully add a lot of benefit and inspiration, again, inspiration to people's lives. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, there's, there's
0: definitely a feel about it when you look at it.
1: I hope so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've, we've come at it from a completely unique angle, which I think will be, um, our benefit to the market. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, how we market it, how we speak about it. Um, and obviously the design is, you know, very crucial to a lot of that as well. So, yeah. yeah. And
0: more to come. End yeah, of this year, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we're, 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 we're part of the, um, I guess part of our differentiators for the brand and the product will also be um very environmentally focused we didn't want to start another company to just make another product um it has to be um you know it has to have a small carbon footprint it has to be recyclable it has to it has to have those qualities um otherwise there's no point in doing it Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah
0: So more to come. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. We'll keep everyone posted. Absolutely. (laughs) So I've got two more questions for you. Mm -hmm. So the second to last is I listened to a podcast that you did for The Quickie, which is a show that interviews designers, illustrators, and other creatives. Mm -hmm. And I love how the host asks his guest um, what question they would ask the next guest. Mm. And your question was, what does it mean to live a good life? And you did answer the question yourself in that episode, but it's been a year since that, that episode and a pandemic later. So what would you say <laughs> now about what it means to live a good life?
1: It's, it's probably the same thing I would say to myself as a younger person, um, would be to enjoy the ride uh, because life goes by in the blink of an eye, it really does. Um, it's, it's mind blowing, you know, uh, every time I talk to anybody, whether it's my parents, friends or my dog, like it's just this overwhelming sensation of time moving so fast and not being able to hold on to anything or grasp anything. And I think I would I would tell myself that, um, like, just enjoy the ride and, and and continue to grow, really embrace growing um, you know, our days are always sort of measured in, was it really good or was it really bad? Was there a victory today? Did I lose something today? Was it tough? And I would tell myself to, um, you know, those those things are great, but life is about everything in the middle. You know, life is about embracing um, the small things, embracing the simple things, embracing um some of the routines that we have, um, some of the mundaneness that we have in our day to day life and finding beauty in those things. And I think that's where the real value of life comes comes to fruition is Mm. is really looking at every day as a possibility, as a good thing, Um, choosing to be a very positive person instead of thriving on pessimism or negativity and And looking at life that way, life is as beautiful as you make it. And that's Mm. the bottom line. And it really is your choice for the most part. Obviously, Mm. there's variables in that for everybody. Um, But I've really, I think, taught myself in the last, you know, 10 years to really live that way. And I think it's had profound effects for sure.
0: Mm. I really like that. Thank you. Mm. My final question. (laughs) (laughs) With what you do, what is it that you want to leave behind in the world?
1: It's always a really good question. Um, it's you know it's it's nothing out of the ordinary. It's nothing. Um, I don't think it's nothing that I can't achieve um, from from a work from from the orbit of my professional life. I want to continue to just inspire people. You know, I, ironically, a few weeks ago, I got this DM from a photographer in Vancouver, and uh, and it was such a random DM, and he just wanted to re- reach out and say hey, I walked by um, a presentation center that you designed. And um, and I just really wanted to let you know that the branding was so beautiful. And every time I walk home, it like it's something I look forward to looking at or look forward to seeing. And it was the first time I had ever um, been, I guess, given that type of compliment. And it really touched me and it really meant a lot to me. And I hope that um, even though it goes unspoken most of the time, I hope people respond well to what we put out into the world Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time it's just for a fraction of time a lot of these projects sell quickly or a lot of these things aren't available everywhere whatever we're working on and I just hope that everything we put into the world from a design standpoint aesthetically I just hope it's inspiring and and just makes people sort of of feel something or appreciate it I think from a personal level um I'm looking forward to being a father in the future, and I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to show my kids how to live life through um, similar eyes with regards to really seeing the beauty and just making some coffee, Um, Mm. seeing the beauty and, you know, taking Zoe for a walk, Um, seeing the beauty and cutting the grass, how good that smells. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of exciting things to life, but it's also... I look forward to really, um, intentionally instilling, um, I guess a respect and a, and a, and a conscious sort of, um, exploration and, and appreciation and beauty for life. And, and I look forward to hopefully being able to instill that in my kids. Mm. And then also I want to rescue like a hundred more puppies. So. <laughs> <laughs> the goal oh. is to have a little ranch on the Sunshine Coast, mm. um, you know, build a beautiful retirement home there. Nothing extravagant, just, you know, really cute and cozy. And, you know, maybe have a few dogs running around in the backyard. Yes. Yeah, definitely. The good life. Exactly. That's the good life. Yeah. Well, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for your time, Jamie. This was a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Mae. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have some face time with you. Yes. And it's not often that we've got to really be in front of people these days, and yeah. it's uh, wonderful to be here. So thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, it's always a pleasure, and I can, I, I'm, I'm excited to keep listening in.
0: Thank you. Hope to have you back. Thank you. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes of The Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.